Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me again on the Football and Feelings podcast, speaking to the ever so lovely Robbie Knox today. Um, the most wholesome creator on YouTube, if I don't mind saying so myself, and formerly of Soccer EM as well, used to work on the show. Really great chat. We spoke about uh, his time on Soccer EM, moving on to, to YouTube and the, the content he's been creating uh, and his own mental health, as well as the mental health of, of everyone, really. Really great chat. Lovely bloke. Um, yeah, enjoy the episode. I'll post links in the description for to look after your own mental health and all of that. Thank you very much. Cheers. Right, I'm delighted to be joined by you, Robbie, the first goalkeeper to win a trophy at New Wembley. <laughs> You've done your research, haven't you? Yeah, I don't, I don't like to talk about it, but yeah, yeah, that, that is technically true. <laughs> you should, uh, you should. T- that's how I would start every conversation, to be honest. Yeah, well, that for a year I did. Um, like I. I the, to give people who don't know what you're talking about, which would be everyone. Um, I I used to work at Soccer AM at Sky Sports, and we had a Soccer AM team that played on the first time Wembley was open to the public. So they, you can't just open a stadium and host the FA Cup final, it turns out. Mm. You have to prove that it works different capacities. So they had 20,000 people come along, members of the community and stuff, local local residents and stuff. And three teams played. We had a little round-robin tournament one Saturday afternoon and we won. And so, yeah, that is technically uh, correct. I am the first goalkeeper to win a trophy at the new Wembley Stadium. And that FA Cup final, I was so annoying. Like, like, like that, well, I'm just, <laughs> just saying anyone who sat next to me in the path, I was going... What's going out in Pe- in Petrchek's head now when he's out there? Unless you played on the pitch, you can't understand what he's doing. What's, what's happening? Uh, so, did you keep yeah. a clean sheet? No, in neither of the games I kept a clean sheet. I think um, I can't remember who scored against me. I've, I found a DVD of it the other day, so I need to watch Ooh. it. Um, but I've not. I've never seen it back. I do remember um, going like doing like a sort of one-on-one slide out at the feet of Simon Jordan. Remember the Palace chairman? Oh, yeah, yeah, him yeah. A goal-scoring chance. And I remember being so out of position at one point, Mark Bright was on one of the other teams, uh, started laughing at me because I was I, I played Sunday lean goal, but I by no means good, or, or did at the time. <laughs> but I was just so far out of my six-yard box in some goal scramble, just started laughing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was an amazing day, but a bit weird. Bit of a bit of a monk from Me Machine. I've not seen it. With the film. Uh, don't no. worry, old Vinnie Jones classic. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, I've, I've Robbie, heard of it. Never seen it. Lockdown. Loving it or hating it? It's a mixed bag. Like there's things I'd like to do, um, and, I, and I'll preface this with with as everyone starts a conversation about this by saying, obviously, for some people, this situation is really bad. Yeah, but I'm in no yeah. way, in no way. Uh, underestimating that but for me personally um it's not that different 
to my normal life. Uh, and in a way, it's slightly offensive that everyone's been going, oh my God, I've got to just sit around the house all day and it's, 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 I find it really hard. I mean, mate, that's, 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 that's my life. <laughs> talking but no, I mean, no, it's, I'm joking. So, yeah, I think it's all right. I mean, I'm homeschooling three kids. Uh, so, like, I firmly believe teachers should be on like 800 grand a year, mm. having done it for about a month. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all, I've sort of got less free time now than I normally do because, um, because I'm looking after the kids aren't at school or nursery. Um, but I'm not, I'm not finding it too bad. I'd like to go to a pub beer garden and have a drink. I'd like mm. to, I don't know, just be able to see other human beings. Oh, yeah, like, I lent a, um, I lent a, what do you call it? What a pressure washer to my um, friend Harry, who lives around the corner the other day. And he drove around to pick it up, but I just, I just put it out at the front of the driveway and then waited in the house and yeah, so I'd come and pick up. But just seeing another human being, albeit 15 <laughs> metres away, was so exciting. Like, <laughs> don't go. Um, so, yeah, things like that. How are you coping with it? Not too bad, to be fair. Not too bad. The first week or two, um, I couldn't stand it. I was felt like I was going insane. Um, just that idea of being closed in and I think at that point as well I hadn't come to terms with the fact that this could last for quite a long time so yeah um, yeah, so I was sort of anxious about that but now not too bad and I feel like we are you look you look younger than me I think I think I'm at a stage (laughs) in life where I don't go out that much because my kids will get up at six in the morning and it's horrific if you go out Mm. anyway so 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 I I think I imagine it would be tougher for, for um a lot of people who are maybe younger and more used to going out. Mm, yeah. Or well, for me, this was actually uh, my semester abroad. I meant to be in Budapest studying right oh, now. Oh, no. Um, and I've spent three quarters of that semester in Essex. So, you know, kicks and troughs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. Yeah. I've been, to, uh, I've been to Budapest. Which one's that? That's the that's Hungary. Hungary, yeah. Yeah. Bucharest is Romania, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I've been to Bucharest. I've not been to Budapest. Okay. I'd recommend yeah. it. Lovely place. Okay. Lovely. Yeah, I feel like uh, this this lockdown, half of the uh, the nation is going to come out super fit with new hobbies intact. The other half are going to come out uh, having completed Netflix um, to the highest of their, their ability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm somewhere in the middle. Like the first week, the first couple of weeks... I did nothing but eat and drink. And I was like, I don't know why, because I don't normally drink at home, at booze. But I was, I was starting, it'd be like about three o'clock in the afternoon. I go, oh, probably, probably have a mm. beer now. Something like that. I don't know. I don't know why I started doing it. Probably just boredom. But then that's because I do this cooped up podcast with Lloyd Griffith every day. And we record that at 5.10. It's quite good having that structure. Because I think, well, I can't really get hammered before five o'clock. Mm-hmm. But I've really sort of cut. I'm not, I'm not really, that I've sort of knocked that on the head. Not really consciously but just sort of, it's sort of calmed a bit calmed down a bit settled down so I'm, I'm not really drinking much and i'm doing a bit more exercise and, and all those sort of things that mm-hmm. you're supposed to do so i think i'm, I'm turning the corner of, of what was a, a horrific weight gain in the first two weeks <laughs> uh yeah superb podcast with, with lloyd griffith i'll recommend that to anyone um very oh, sausage heavy think, yeah. uh lots of, a lot of sausage stuff a lot of talking about what we've cooked and sometimes i'm thinking oh god we're talking too much about what we've cooked but then the truth is we've literally done nothing else apart mm. from cooked food that day so when something does happen like there's a day i got two deliveries through the post and i'm like this is incredible this, this is, is great content is the content we're gonna have today. <laughs> this is gonna be a breeze <laughs> yeah so no no it's, it's yeah i enjoy doing it and, and it, it literally takes me i mean lloyd edits and uploads it which doesn't take long but it literally takes me half an hour a day and 
I'm not doing anything else. It's, it's, it's mm. quite easy. Yeah. Great stuff. Before we get on to the sort of work you're doing now, I'd quite like to go through the Soccer AM years. Um, yes. How did you end up on the show? Did you always have like a, an eye on working in, in television? I, I um, yeah, I, when I was at university, I was at U- University of East Anglia, Norwich, and from 1995 to 1998, um, and I did the student radio there. I was studying economics, but I had no interest in doing economics. At the time, it was free to go to university. So, um, in fact, I got a grant in my first year because we had a lower income sort of thing. So, that's, it's changed a bit for younger mm. people now, and I feel I feel... Bit unfairly for them. <laughs> so, so, um, so I just wanted to go to university, and I didn't really. I knew I didn't want to go work in a bank or what, use an economics degree, but I was decent enough at economics. So I did that. Didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but then did. Um, I say did the student radio while I was there, and then thought, okay, um, I'd like to go into that. Went to Canada for a year, came back and got a job in a TV studio, uh, just making tea and stuff. Did that for a year, and then. A guy who I knew from the student radio, a guy called Dan Trelfer, he was working for a company called Avalon that do sort of comedy stuff. Um, and they at the time were Tim Lovejoy, who presented Soccer AM and produced Soccer AM's agent. And he told me, he knew I watched Soccer AM anyway, and he said, oh, they're looking for someone. Why don't you send a CV off? So I sent a CV off and um, got an interview had an interview they offered it to someone else he couldn't start in time so i got the job <laughs> so <laughs> uh so yeah yeah that, that that was it basically but so it, it, i got the job in about four days from first sending off a cv so yeah wow great stuff how did you feel when you started there because obviously you were quite young and that often goes hand in hand with uh a bit of confusion about your life path and like low self-esteem sometimes for some people how did you feel yeah i mean it was it wasn't, I don't think it was the best environment for, um, it wasn't the most encouraging creative environment, perhaps at times. Like in this, and, and Tim, who was pretty at the time, has said to us since then, he said, I'm really sorry, I, I was too that far too seriously. And, and it's a, it was a mixed bag because, it, because I learned so much from him and learned so much from doing that. But it wasn't like, hey, there's no, there's no such thing as a bad idea. It was like if you two had a bad idea, you'd get ripped <laughs> into something, like in a fun, in a fun, in a jokey sort of yeah. banterish, piss taking way. But it did make you sort of hold back some things that you thought were borderline uh, sometimes. I'm not sure it was perfect like that. In terms of um, when I first started, um, I'd not really done a job that was important before not that not that it's like saving lives soccer but i mean there wasn't much responsibility is probably the word word i mean like i've worked in tesco's and cafes and stuff like that as a runner of a tv studio um but this is sort of doing things for a live tv show and the my first job was getting sort of props and the maybe it was getting props and costumes in but just because it was the way it had been done before we had a script meeting that finished around 12 30 one o'clock on a friday and I wasn't allowed to get any props or costumes in before that. So I had from about 1 p.m. till the shop shut at 5 to get everything and get a courier to go and get them from West London sort of thing and get them over there. It was, it was mad, mad in, in hindsight. Like the, that was the way it was done. So I, I, there was a lot, a lot of pressure. And there wasn't really anyone as well saying... I wasn't given a list saying these are the things you do. I'd be in this script meeting and I'd just be writing down Okay, we need a a um, fireman's costume. We need this. We need this. Mm. Um, 
so then you'd be on the show and you just and it'd be quite nerve-wracking you'd just not be going like if someone might go so where's this and you go what what you, we need that and you wouldn't know or there might be the communication breakdown i can't remember any particularly bad things where i forgot a massive part of the show or anything but there was mm. It was it was relying. There was no sort of checks and balances sort of thing. There was no measures in place to make sure that you were that I'd got everything. Sorry. So there's a lot of pressure. But also, um, since then, I've never felt I've got too much work on because of that pressure. And I know now that if you if you do feel overwhelmed, and, and I do this now, what I will do is I'll write down if I'm starting to feel a bit anxious or whatever. I will write down a list of everything I've got to do and just work through it like in in order of urgency or importance or whatever like that or, or go for a few easy wins first of all if it mm. helps you go and, and you can achieve so much if you do just split something and have a, like a system in place i remember having to get a i've been there about less than a month and i had to get for no money a horse to come to the studio at isleworth at five in the morning or six in the morning um to record a little pre-recorded gag and i just I just got the yellow pages out and found farms in the area and just phoned every farm because someone's going to go, someone's going to have a horse and be bored or watch soccer. Mm. And go, all right, yeah, that sounds all right. You just got a phone and you can just, you can get anything if you just, if you put in the hours to, to do it. Something, That's yeah. amazing. So that you must've uh, had some of the most interesting shopping lists known to man. Yeah. There was, there was this company, I can't remember what they're called. Um, there was a, a costume company and they are, the guy who we dealt with, he was quite sort of um, posh sounding. I never met him. Um, he quite sort of, uh, well, yeah, posh is probably the word, but it was, it was very sort of, they liked doing, they did all period dramas and stuff like that. So they were all into, they really, they, they loved their job because they wanted to get authentic costumes from, for, for Jane Austen things yeah, or all yeah. this sort of stuff or doing other things. And I'd phone them up and go, yeah, I need a, like a, a red tracksuit for a bloke from Liverpool and this like that. <laughs> and they, you could tell they hated me or not me personally, but they hated that they had to do this, but we were spending about a grand a week in costumes. They couldn't tell us to go away <laughs> or anything like that. Um, and it was, and it was, and it was so mad. Like we, we, we'd be hiring costume for, 30 quid a week for a year for a year or two but why don't we just buy it the stuff would cost mm. like so i changed a few things when i was there but yeah it was it, it yeah it was a weird shopping list yeah how did you sort of deal with that pressure that you had because oh, i imagine things were a little bit different then there was there any sort of strategies in place in terms of uh dealing with staff well-being or anything like that no and i think it's probably got better but they definitely Sky definitely at the time, or soccer end of it at the time, um, didn't have. Um, it's, it's not how it would happen now, I don't think. So, for example, we would, I would work from. It was, it was Tuesday to Saturday was the working week. Tuesday was all right, probably like maybe half nine till six. You might work mm-hmm. Wednesday, maybe nine till seven. Thursday, probably eight in the morning till eight at night. Friday, I'd, you'd come in at eight. And you would be unlikely to leave before 1 a.m. sort of thing a lot. And then you'd be back in at 6, 7 in the morning the next day. Mm. So, uh, so there were times when I'd be driving home, listen to the radio. I'd go home, go to sleep, come back, and it'd be the same DJ on the radio as doing the same show, and I've had my sleep. So there were a couple of times I worked through the night. Um, I remember one occasion, which was the very first show of the season, and I was working, it got to like 4 in the morning. I was thinking, there's, I've still got 
I was like, there's no way I'm going to get any sleep here. Mm. So I was still editing at six when everyone else came back in. I don't know why, there was only me there. Um, anyway, we vary with who would have a lot on. But, um, but and then I remember I was doing a, sh- a character called Fixtures Man on the show, and I, r- I had to write, write it in the morning and do it. And then when I watched it back after a couple of days, after a bit of sleep on the Monday, I had no recollection of it. I had no idea what I was going to say. Nothing. It was like watching someone else do it because I, mm. I just couldn't, didn't know what was going on. And I was writing, and I wrote, wrote it, having had no sleep, and recorded it on a live TV show. And yeah, no idea. Yeah. So, do you think so, that was? Sorry. Uh, so yeah, do you think sorry, that was sorry, sorry. I was going to say I don't think that um, I don't think that would happen now. I think now they're a lot more sensible about hours and that. And it's not it's not safe to be working those sort of hours and driving home afterwards and things like that. So I think it's I think it's improved since of then. Of course, yeah. Obviously, on screen, especially in its prime, um, and I know a lot of people throw that term around, but um, the, the show sort of epitomised lad culture or contributed to what we know as lad culture. Um, but was that a reflection of the same culture backstage, or was that quite carefully constructed? I think lad culture, in some ways, rightly so, gets a bad name now, and that's because all the dickheads got involved. And that's what happens with everything that's good. Like Shoreditch in London used to be good fun, and now it's full of um, like blokes and stag do's and stuff yeah. like that sort of thing. Like in the early days, and this is um, so I was going to uni. 95 to 98 so that real sort of brit pop lad culture sort of time it was it was very inclusive because from what i from before then it, it there wasn't really in mean, the exceptions but it wasn't the culture that women would go to the pub and have a pint and watch the football it wasn't that but this was much more in many ways there's a sort of ladette side of it as well and it mm. definitely wasn't for everyone and it, there's a lot of people who probably didn't fit in with it but i think it was quite inclusive with this um men and women all together doing that gender-wise. Um, but then it, it's when it gets later on, and it's really lads, 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 that sort of stuff that it gets a bit bad. The coach behind the scenes, it wasn't... Um, there was a, for one of a, for desperate one of a better word, banter sort of thing around. And, it was, and there was sort of um, running jokes that we'd always have. And it was a really good, fun place to work most of the time. Um, so, yeah, I suppose... Yeah, I suppose it was it was laddish in that respect, yeah, mm. but not in the sort of way that I think you think of lads now, which is the sort of WKD advert sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, was uh, uh, was there ever much snobbery from other more formal uh, football shows at the time? Yeah, yeah, the, oh, definitely. Because um, I think there was. I mean, I, I accept it's not for everyone. Nothing is, but. It was. There's a lot of things that I think Soccer AM changed in before I got there. Like mu- music and fo- over football. Like mm. before Soccer AM, I think it's. I feel might dispute this, but I would say you didn't just get good music played over football stuff. It was always very literal. It was Republica ready to go before a big match or something like that. It was. It was all these. These sort of literal. You've got this game, so you have this song that has these lyrics in, sort of thing. It wasn't just um, just that. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot what the question was. What did you um, have? Oh, Christ, I forgot. Uh, snobbery from other shows. Snobbery, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there was a bit. I mean, there was. there's something that gets banded around a lot that's um, a review on When Saturday Comes uh, about Tim Lovejoy's book, which I've, and I've never read Tim's book um, just because I didn't ever have a copy of it. Um, 
but I um in fact I've got one now, but I I I found it somewhere. Um but um so I've never read it, but there was it's this review that sort of hammers it a bit and but it sort of misses the point a bit because I think our attitude was always very sort of inclusive. It doesn't matter um if you are someone who if you're a girl who watches World Cup games with her boyfriend and nothing else all year, or if you're someone who goes to every game. Mm. Whereas I think there's part of it, and, and I really enjoy when Saturday comes. I think it's a great, great magazine. I, I, I read it. Um, but that's a bit, I've always thought that that was a bit more of a, come on, mate, you're not a proper fan if you don't go to watch the reserves on a Wednesday night sort of thing. Mm. There's that, and we always used to laugh in the office about proper fans or this sort of gatekeeping of football. Like you can't, like people hammering Man U fans because they're from wherever sort of thing and, yeah. and all this. And, it, and it's, we were always very sort of inclusive, and also, um, so yeah, I think there was a snobbery in answer to, to your question in, from some places, and there were managers that wouldn't um, that wouldn't let us have players. I, I think Gerard Houllier, Alex Ferguson, Wenger as well. I think I, I might be wrong there. I think none of them wanted their players on on the show um, yeah. because they didn't think. I can't remember which one of it. One of them said they didn't take football seriously enough, but then. Jose Mourinho turned up and loved Soccer AM. So it sort of changed a bit. Um, so, yeah, a, a bit of snobbery there. Yeah, I'd say so. Mm. There's, um, there was, a, I remember a few, quite a few years ago, a picture went around my local area of Jose Mourinho and a local McDonald's for some, some bizarre reason. <laughs> it's nowhere, it's, in, it's on the east coast of Essex. It's nowhere near any club he would have played at. And he must have just drove that far out to get to a McDonald's where Maybe he thought no one would recognise him. I'm not, not too sure. Didn't work though. Didn't work. He knows, yeah. <laughs> was that was football a big thing in your life before the show? Because for so many people, it's sort of a it's a catalyst for conversation, really. Yeah, it was, um, and it it was. I grew up in Kent in the 1980s, so I supported Liverpool, um, and um, I support Liverpool, and uh, yeah, it, it was a really big thing growing up playing football. Talking about football, playing football computer games. Um, and and then going to Soccer AM was obviously I, like I watched was, was amazing, and then I'd, I'd meet you'd meet all these players like like John Aldridge was one of my heroes growing up, and when we played at Wembley, he was on our team. And before the game, he and I was in goal. I was a bit nervous, obviously, because you're in front of twenty thousand people, and you during goal, it's quite possible to have a shocker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I um, I was a bit nervous, and John and John Aldridge said to me, um, said, oh, "Robbie, do you want me to warm you up?" And I was like, okay. And I was thinking, I have no idea what that means. I don't know if he's going to give me a massage. I don't know if he's going to do some exercise or something. And he just took me to, like, a little, there's a warm-up room around the, There's a changing room in Wembley. And then you go through a door and there's a little AstroTurf, just a room with AstroTurf on and footballs. And he was just pinging balls at me to catch. And I was just thinking, God, if, like, 15-year-old Robbie or 40-year-old Robbie could see me mm. in Wembley warming up with John Aldridge, it was un- unbelievable. Um, again, I forgot what your question was. <laughs> Um, was football a big part of your oh, life? Football, sorry, that was it. Was, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try and stay on track. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it definitely, it, it definitely was. And it's, I think, it's quite useful for as it certainly was. I don't know what it's like now, but for a man, for a boy growing up, it's quite useful to be into football because it mm. gives you that sort of. I wasn't particularly cool kid. I wasn't particularly strong or anything like that. But I think if you can talk to me about football, it sort of helps. A little bit in those sort of laddish macho things because at that sort of time you care a lot more about that than you probably do when you get older. Of course, yeah, it's sort of like the the metaphorical or literal in some senses 
the metaphorical TV that all of our furniture faces in on, and we can yeah. talk about that, and then it leads on to other conversations. That's what I, that's what I like about it. I'm, and uh, I remember being in in Mexico in uh, in about what about twenty one. I went travelling up twenty two. Went travelling around Mexico for a month, and I was just in Mexico City. I think I was at Guadalajara, um, and I was in a bus stop queue, and there was a guy there, and he was. Um, and he was uh, sort of smi- smiling as he was asking where we're from. And I, sort of, and I didn't speak any Spanish. I was going, I was going uh, uh, Brit- UK, Scotland, uh, Scottish, uh, uh, Scotland, England, just saying anything. He might know. He goes, ah, yeah, you go, um, like Bobby Charlton. Like, <laughs> and, I, and I was like naming um, Mexican, uh, Hugo Sanchez or someone. I can't remember. I was sort of naming Mexican. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were just literally, I was just having a, bloke, a conversation with a bloke at a bus stop in Mexico. and the didn't speak his language, he didn't speak mine, we were just listing footballers we knew from from the other one's countries. That's amazing. I I love that. I am um, I used to I lived in Thailand for a few years and I used to go and watch like, the local football there. I had a local team that I supported. And because there wasn't Where that many, in Thailand, were you? Uh, in Bangkok. Okay. Yeah, so I lived there and um uh because the, we were not many foreigners went to watch this team, we'd always have like crowds of people just swarming us. Um just shouting English names like Gerard, Gerard, Rooney, very good. <laughs> and it was, but it was just amazing. Like we had some of the best I, nights that we could have had just from meeting people talking about football. I knew a um, a girl who taught English in um, in China uh, years ago. This would have been two, early two thousands, and she um, she was teaching Korean, sorry, Korean, sorry, Chinese um, Air Force trainees so like mm. kids that were going to go into the air force and then they'll be like 78 and they do their practical stuff they learn all their english they do all this stuff here and then they go to australia to do their flying their flight training and they'd all given themselves english names that they'd had f- throughout school everyone got an english name but they weren't like dave or steve or mm-hmm. liam or anything like that they were um like were things like petrol or just any yeah. english words yeah. and she's like loads of them were called beckham and she, there was one kid in in the class. It's like a big seventeen year old guy called Sex, and he didn't know what it meant. But she mm. sort, of, sort of said to him, "She's gonna, you can't really be called Sex because if you go to Australia and you're in a bar and someone asks you your name and you tell them you're called Sex, you could end up in fights." Yeah, <laughs> of course. Like yeah. But, uh, so this guy's sort of quite apparently this guy's quite sex. <laughs> it's, it's like being told you have to change your name after five years. <laughs> so we're like, I really don't think you should actually change any part. You just change it to Beckham like the rest of them. <laughs> um, but um, she said as well that was. I mean, we were going completely off topic, but she said it was so brutal there. She said if you were late once, you got put back a year. Like. So it was so so harsh. Wow. And these people, their, their families would have saved up to get this person away. They'd have done, the whole family would have worked to get this person there. They'd have one chance. And if they were late, they'd um, they weren't have boyfriends and girlfriends or anything like that. They would get put back a year, but not start the year again. They'd have to sit at a desk for a year doing nothing until the class came back round and caught up with them. That's insane. It wasn't like they could study the thing again. But so, and she obviously would would never. Cross anyone up for this yeah, ruin someone's yeah. life. But so if someone would come in like this, they'd be crying like these these like big like Air Force like mm. strong muscular guys like in tears and all this. She go, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, calm down. It's okay. I won't say anything. I won't say anything. It's right. You're on time. Don't worry. And that but it was it was such a weird atmosphere. Wow, that's insane, Christ. Yeah, I used to yeah. I used to I was teaching English in Bangkok, teaching younger children, and it was the same thing with the names. I had one kid called Beer, 
one kid called Bryce. One kid was called Fat. Um, bless him. And it was just ironic because he was as well. So it was just it was just oh, a shame. He's been set up yeah. to fail with that English name. My, my brother taught um, English in Korea in Seoul um, for about ten years. So and he it was the same thing with him as well. And he said he really liked as well T-shirt slogans that mm. they'd have like is it Conglish? It's like they've just gone random. They've obviously just got into the internet and grabbed yeah. a bit of text and these things would say things and sometimes it'd be quite offensive yeah. <laughs> that kids are wearing and they wouldn't they wouldn't make sense like something like um the price of fish has gone down <laughs> and then they just obviously wearing because it looks cool and, yeah yeah i saw a few of them i saw one that said be who you are but not what you don't be to be you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the well-known saying yeah i've got that in a cushion downstairs <laughs> yeah so obviously at the moment with no football on there's been a bit of a lack of uh, of news to keep up to date with i've been reliving some emotional moments on the football and feelings social media pages good and bad emotions just because i want to i want to feel it again um but for you is there a moment that stands out as the most like emotional football moment that you've you've witnessed i'll give you a good and bad one i remember um when liverpool when i was a kid and liverpool and I was more invested in it as a kid. I was like, prop, like now I'd be less upset. But when Michael Thomas scored in the last day of the season in the 92nd minute to give Arsenal the title in 1989, I think it was that I, I remember crying then. You know, and that, that and for and I hated Arsenal for years after that. I don't, I don't anymore. Um, so there was that on one end, and on, on the highs, um, I was in Istanbul when Liverpool won the Champions League final after being. Three 0 down to wow. Milan, um, so that was that was quite good as as days Amazing. days out go. <laughs> yeah, um, I was sat with John Scales, who if you remember used to play for Liverpool and, and Spurs and England, I think as well. Um, and he, um, I remember talking to him at half time when we we're three 0 down. I was going, "It's not over." I saw a little bit of glitter. I was going, "It's not." If we can get a goal after straight after half time, it's not. It's not beyond mm. possibilities or that. And then obviously. You know what happened? It's um, unreal, unbelievable. Well done to you for keeping that optimism, because um, I'm sure a lot of people. I mean, did it was it. very low. I'm, I'm naturally glass half empty. I, I support Scotland as well. My family are all from Scotland, so I, I tend to go to most Scotland home qualifiers. I don't go to friendlies. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I didn't go to any this last campaign because of that Nations Cup thing. I thought I'm not going to go to a Nations Cup because I'm not going to spend a couple hundred quid going up to Glasgow, yeah. getting a hotel, going to the game to watch us play Israel in some Nations Cup thing. But then because we won our group and we got a playoff place, when it came around to the home qualifiers, I was like, I'm not going to go to all the home qualifiers. So there's no way we're going to win our group. We'd be just going for a playoff place anyway. We've already got that. So I just won't bother. So I haven't been to a Scotland game for three years. Mm. Um, but um, but I've, I think because Scotland is so bad, you have to be slightly optimistic to want to go like, like because because we've had such a bad run. It's been 1998 was the last time we reached a, a major finals, a European Championships or a World Cup, and so you have to sort of have a little bit of hope <laughs> in order yeah. to, to to bother going. That all surprises me a little bit with Scotland because you always see like individual players making their way around the leagues, and they're always they're always brilliant players, but 
Yeah, I mean, we, we've we've struggled. It's only sort of now, I think. Like I think I think Andy Robertson is a genuinely world class. I think he's one of the best mm-hmm. um, fullbacks in, in the world. Um, and I think I don't think we've had someone who's been that level. Mm. And I think I don't know. I'm I'm, opt- I'm very optimistic at the minute of us, but when I was younger, we had um, Sunes. Doug Leash, Hansen, um, and it was uh, Jim Layton. There was, there was sort of some big, a lot yeah. of really big, uh, big names. So um, it certainly changed a bit um, since then. We've not really had that sort of level of place. But then there's teams that don't have big names that have done better than us. So I think I think it's I don't know. We've 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 we've, we've come close. Hopefully soon. Yeah. It seems like a very Scottish luck to have Kieran Tierney and Robertson to, to yeah, both become right. super. <laughs> you, you wait for ages for a good player, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so back onto Soccer EM. Uh, why did you leave? Or was there any sort of bad blood, or was it just uh, the right no, thing for you? Um, I I've been there for seven years, and I think you get bored of anything after mm-hmm. that sort of time. It was it was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant job to have in your twenties, but I couldn't do it now because you're working no holiday during the football season, um, and I love skiing, so I mean I was going to do like a weekend skiing a year, something like that, and no Friday nights for most of the year. Um, your Saturdays are sort of written off as well because you're knackered. You might be able to go to sleep in the afternoon and go out in the evening, but um, you've you've you're tired. It was quite hard work. But I didn't want to leave because we were doing so much cool stuff towards the end. Like we were going to play football Wembley. I was going to every Champions League final. I went to Noel Gallagher's 40th birthday party. We get all these great, great things. Uh, and I didn't want to leave and then be chatting to the other guys and then going, oh, yeah, no, we're playing in the World Cup final tomorrow or whatever sort yeah. of cool, cool thing would be happening next. And then, so Tim Lovejoy, uh, as I said, he was producer and presenter, he got an offer from Simon Fuller, who managed Spice Girls, looked up David Beckham and stuff, to start an internet TV thing um, before there were sort of people whose job it was to be a YouTuber, something mm. that wasn't really yeah. a thing at the time. Um, and so, and he said to me and, and a lot of the other lads, do you want to go and do it? And for me, it was a really easy yeah, because I wanted to leave anyway. And it was a good time because that was sort of the end of that chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for some of the others, it was a bit more of a difficult decision. I mean, Fenner's left with us now. He's back there now. Um, Sheephead's back, I think, or was back. I think, I'm not, I'm not spoken to him for a bit, but I think he's still there. Um, so for me, it wasn't that it wasn't that hard to go. But no, there wasn't really any any bad blood there. There were some people not involved that Tim did ask. Tim could only take a certain number of people. So we took yeah. maybe, there's probably about six of us, I think, who left or something. But then some of the other guys there, they sort of knew something was going on because we were getting called away for meetings with Tim about it. Mm-hmm. But he'd said, made his promise not to tell anyone. So you're in this awkward situation where you promised that you wouldn't say anything to someone, but then your mates are going, another secret meeting, mm-hmm. sort of thing like that. And you're sort of mate, and I, I just said, I talked to Tim and just or whatever like that. And, and it was, I understand what, what was happening. And it had to be, it had to sort of be that way, but it was a bit weird and awkward. Um, but no, but so you know, bad, bad blood with with anyone there. No, no, no they get on with ev- everyone um, from there. Yeah, I know I'm still in touch with like Tim. I speak to most days on WhatsApp because we're in a group together for something. There's an old soccer AM group. Um, 
my uh, WhatsApp group um, that we're all on as well, sort of thing. So yeah, I'm in touch with everyone. I see yeah. tubes a lot. Yeah, of course. Yeah, really enjoyed the um, the tubes sort of heart attack video because it's the first time I've seen that sort of topic discussed in such layman terms. Um, yeah. Without it being, I mean, credit to him, obviously. So without it being, sometimes it feels dehumanized talking about someone having a heart attack. You you sometimes hear the scientific side of it. Um, which struggle yeah. people struggle to relate to, so that was that was really nice. Yeah, and I think it's it's if you've got two friends talking about something, you can joke about mm. stuff. Like, I mean, context is everything, isn't it? You, there's, yeah. yeah. So someone heard someone the other day say that everyone is in a WhatsApp group that could end their career. Like, if, if you've got mm. I mean, you, yeah. there's things you'll <laughs> say to your mates that you'll never, that you would never say and should never say to any anyone else. Um, I think give you an example. I remember my. Um, my one of my best friends um, growing up, uh, Arthur Ramu, she was my next door neighbour growing up. She's the oldest friend I've got. Um, I met my wife through her. When she was getting married, I remember um, her, she, she um, invited me to the wedding and all this. And I, I remember saying, like, she's, married, she's Indian, she's marrying a, um, a, a white person. And I remember saying, oh, you got to come to the wedding. And I said, no, I'll come along even though I, don't, I obviously don't believe in mixed race marriages. And that's obviously a joke <laughs> because she knows I do. I've been on yeah, holiday yeah. with her and her husband and it's a joke. So there, in that context, it's fine. But if I said that in public without explaining it like yeah. I have just now to someone, yeah. or went out to someone randomly and said, I don't believe in mixed race marriages, even if it was a joke, it would be terrible. So context is absolutely everything in that <laughs> But I mean, you've got to be careful, Robbie, because you've got an out of context page, haven't you? Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, let's have a see this. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. You, you have to be careful. But that, I, I can't remember what we were talking about. Why were we? Why was I telling that story? Something to do with. Um, well, that was going to be groups. my gateway into talking about yeah. YouTube. To be fair, so um, okay, that's what that's what does the job. So YouTube is obviously it's a world with quite a lot of plastic and malleable creators. Um, I think it, I'd say it's fair to say, but you've always kept your content genuine and there's not any any BS really. So, but do you ever feel the need yeah. to compete with that side or do you ever like get drawn into the, the dramatized side of the platform? No, not at all. No, I don't, um, I don't know who anyone is on YouTube. Like I know people, I know people who cause I'm friends with, um, uh, Jack May, I know people that have been in his videos. Like I know who Morgs is because he's done a video on Morgs. I don't know. I don't like. <laughs> I know there's huge people. And for eight years, years I was filming before I started doing this. I'd be filming big YouTubers that I'd had no idea. I'd never heard of before. I went there and found and like Cal Frizi or Bateson and all these people. And I had no idea anything about them because I didn't know anything of that world. Um, but no, I've I've I got into it because. I, one of the reasons being a guy, Will Brazier, I know who works at Sporf, he's a presenter on um, sort of Sky things as well, um, youth Sky stuff. He um, he was saying you should start a YouTube channel. I was going, no one's that interested. Because at the time, I only watch YouTube to see, um, to, to sort of, um, if I was going to learn how to change a plug or something, I'd use it, I'd do it for, for, for those sort of things. I never watched YouTubers. Yeah. Uh, I didn't understand all this, the scope of stuff that was there. Uh, so Will said to me that, why don't you, um, why don't you do a, a, a channel? And I said, well, no one's going to be interested in me. It's all young, young people on there. They're not interested. He said, I'm not being, I don't want to be rude, come across rude, but I know what it's like being an 18 year old 
starting uni because there's a hundred thousand vlogs every September about it. Sort of thing. Yes, I don't really know what it's like being forty because there's mm. not many people doing that sort of thing. So, and also I I think there's a because I grew up without social media and without the internet until I was eighteen. Um, and it's obviously very different for people now. There's there's a sort of expectation for young people, or maybe people feel a need to um, portray this good life on Instagram or, or whatever social media. When in reality, we're all taking the bins out every week, yeah. sort of thing. Or thing. Yeah. I remember talking to Noel Gallagher uh, at uh, his name dropping for you um, <laughs> for, uh, at Soccer AM, and he'd been asked to do a. He says he's always getting asked people to come into his house and do these like at home with Noel Gallagher or something. He says he always says no because he goes, the reality of being Noel Gallagher is really boring. He says you're sat around the house watching TV, taking the bins out, mm. filling the dishwashers. It's the same as everyone else. He says it's just it's much better having the rock star image of someone, something like that. So I think the the sort of genuine doing things like that I think is, is a more sensible way to do it. And I do interesting things. Like I go, mm. I go on a holiday with my friends to Canada to a great ski resort and have a brilliant time. Um, but I think you've got to be honest and go, this is amazing rather than mm. that. People try and pretend that their entire life is yachts and yeah, guns and course, bitches. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something so wholesome and pure about it, but I've, or maybe, I've, maybe it's only just me noticing more, but there seems like there's more wholesome, creators coming through now like blue van man um uh, food reviewer is. yeah lovely bloke yeah. I'd, I'd love to speak to him one day but and a uh, food reviewer that uh true geordie uh sort of talks about sometimes um so there definitely seems like there's a rise in that realism i guess you could call it which sounds strange i think I, I i think so yeah and and like lloyd griffith um who i do keep up with mm. he did a video on the other day he does his premier league fan reaction videos i edit for him he did his own thing where he's done like changing the door handle on a dish yeah, on a washing cool machine yeah. and stuff like that. And I think people have, because people are stuck in, they've got to sort of go this. And then you see things like Amanda Holden taking the bins out in a ball gown and stuff like that. I yeah. was, was doing the rounds and stuff. And there's lots of things going on at the minute. But yeah, I think, I think people like honesty in, in everything. Yeah. And, and, and I think, um, I think if you're honest about things and you can, and as long as you make things entertaining, and also for me, because I, I work in um, making videos for brands and stuff like that, and companies, I quite often go in and tell them to do things and or suggest things for them to do. And they'll say, oh, no, that's, we haven't really got anything interesting. And now I can go to them and go, I've got a video of me taking the bins out with 40,000 views. So I think we can make your factory interesting or whatever. Like that. So, um, yeah, yes. But yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's, I quite like the, the wholesome nature of it. And I've had, which I didn't expect at all, I get a lot of messages like every, every week whatever about a video of people who suffer from anxiety or depression or other mental issues saying how much they help the videos. Some guy messaged me the other day um, saying he's, he's just had his first kids and he's not because of the coronavirus, the, the kid's struggling. Like I don't know if he's born prematurely, but struggling and, um, and he's not allowed to go into the ward because of the virus. He says it's really stressful times. He said he just said he just came home and he said, honestly, I reckon I watched 10 hours of your videos just to, just to calm, calm me down and things like that. So I get loads of these lovely messages I didn't expect at all. That is, it's, yeah. they're, the, they're the nicest messages I get from people. Yeah, that is, that is amazing. Useful. That is lovely. I think that's 
that must be because uh, a lot of other creators, a lot of other things you see on YouTube, you're going to get roped in com to comparing yourself to that lifestyle. And that makes you feel shitty about your everyday tasks. But because you're talking about the everyday tasks, you're you're putting the emphasis on them. And there's no reason why you can't enjoy taking the bins out. Yeah. And a lot of things and everything on my channel is nice. Do you mm. know what I mean, there's no there's nothing I think it's, you might not like my videos, but I think it's quite hard to hate them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's not much yeah. offensive stuff in there. So I think that I'm not really uh, slagging anything off. And, and I love, and I, 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 Jack, mate, I watch all his videos. I really love his content. Um, and his is a lot of critiquing of, of things. Mm. Um, but it doesn't, um, but I couldn't, I couldn't do it just because I, I, I would be too, I tend to go, they were thinking, well, one, they might just have had a bad day. This, this, mm. I don't know what's going on in their life. And all this. The, the best example of that, I'm going massively off topic again. My friend Alex um, uh, Fordham was on a, tr a tube once. He lives out, I think, uh, Walthamstow Way. He was coming into London. Um, and just he got in, there was, it was really packed. It was a really busy thing. And he, there was some sort of banging into someone or some altercation with this guy. And they, they had words and they're like swearing each other, like you mm. F off and all this sort of stuff to, to each other on this train. But then they had to then, they were on a packed train for the next 25 minutes. They were just stood next to each other having had this argument for the entire thing. They got into central London, the stop, and the, guy, the other guy just turned around to him and went, mate, I'm so sorry. I've had the worst morning. This has gone wrong. This has gone wrong. I'm really, really sorry. I just went, I know, I'm sorry too, mate. And all this, I go, do you want a hug? And he goes, yeah. And they just had a little hug, and then oh, they, they went their separate ways. It's going such a lovely story because it was such as real anger. They were just like, oh, sorry, mate, because they've got thing, separate things going on. That is amazing. That is lovely. Um, so obviously, you do a lot of gardening and home growing on on the <laughs> YouTube. Those are things that are scientifically proven to improve people's mental health as well. Yep. It's quite often used on like uh, psychiatric recovery wards that have like gardening yep. programs. Is that something that benefits you? Do you notice a benefit from it? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I, I, I love like this morning. I went out for a bit, just just for in my pajamas, just for, for a walk around the garden. I just see how the plants are doing and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I like so being outside and gardening's um, enjoyable. I think it's good for the kids to get them out as well. Um, I think being outside in general, I've always liked being outside and um, and it always makes me feel happier and, 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 and like going for a run or sort of just going or a walk or something like that. I just enjoy the outdoors. I think, I think it, it does people a lot of good. Um, and I know it's when people do ask for advice on mental health, I've never suffered from depression or, or, I, I thought I'd never suffer from anxiety, but I felt anxious. I'm not quite sure where the line comes between being anxious yeah. and yeah. suffering from anxiety. I don't. I only don't, just thought that relatively recently. Um, but there were certainly been times where I felt anxious in life. But um, when people do ask for advice, the things from friends I know have been through these things and struggled. It, you always feel bad saying it because it's the things people hear all the time, like yeah. do some exercise, go outside, and all that sort of thing. And you go, well, don't. I know it's sort of cliche, but it sort of there's a reason for it you know what i mean yeah so but so yeah i certainly do find being outside and gardening relaxing and, and enjoyable and it's rewarding as well when something comes through and, and like i was afraid just thinking oh i don't know if our potatoes have worked i think i might put them out too early maybe the frost temperature <laughs> when they suddenly start you go there in the morning they're coming through you're like, yeah come on <laughs> it's those little wins i think uh the younger generation especially well, my generation and, and below we are used to having like an instant fix to everything so 
when we read stuff that says you need to exercise regularly, eat healthy, eat healthy, we're sort of used to, oh, can I not just watch a 10 minute tutorial on YouTube that'll fix yeah. my depression? We're sort of used but, to that. But I think, I think I, I, I was in sort of depression. I had very low confidence when I was younger, uh, low self-confidence. And but I've worked at that and I've read self-help books, oh, which I got quite a bad reputation. Things like I've, I've, I'll listen to podcasts now or something like that to keep going. I think you do have to take, I always, I always like to think it's not necessarily your fault that something's happened to you, yeah. but it's your responsibility to sort it out because no one else is, is going to, like I, everything I do in life is to make me happy. And that sounds selfish, but it doesn't have to be like giving my kids a great start in life and helping them grow into fully rounded people makes me happy. So if you're not a psychopath, that should involve some kind of <laughs> being nice or something, but you have to sort of go, okay, this is, these are areas I'm not good at. These are things I'm not good at. These are things I am good at something and try and help yourself work out because there are there are things you can do. I read a great book when I was um, twenty one when I was in Canada called I think it's called the Confidence Course. Do you know, what? I will very quickly Google yeah, it so I don't get this wrong because it's because it's a great the Con Confidence Course book. Uh, Oh, my printer just made a noise. Sorry about that. Yeah, uh, by, it's by Walter Anderson. It's called The Confidence Course. And uh, it's not, I'm sure by today's standard, it's not um, a revolutionary sort of thing. There'd be a lot of mm. other things around that are more detailed now. But it was the simple bits going, this is, this is the situation here. This is just do this exercise for a bit. And it might be every time you walk in a room, stand up tall or something like that. Yeah. Pretend you're lift, being lifted up. Just things like this or... or do this, say this, and and you can work your way through it. And I would come back to that book every now and then when I feel a bit low, going, okay, there we go, let's, let's mm -hmm. work our way through that. So I do think people can help themselves. And obviously some people have had horrific backgrounds and, and it will be harder, but no one else is going to do it for you, really. So you, you, you do, there's lots of things around there. There's lots of good resources. And now with, with podcasts and the internet, it's so so many things out there people that you can listen to or, or podcasts or that it's it's there's a lot of options mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's a process just the same as physical fitness is you have to train same with your yeah. fitness you have to train that as well so happiness to you is uh the well-being of your family would you say it's like your no, no no i mean that's part of it um there's a lot of a lot of things it's living a stress I'm very good. Uh, I've worked out that I, that I need to prioritize my happiness. And I'm very good, I think, at working out what makes me happy and what doesn't. And having a nice car, I don't care about. I don't, I don't, I'd much rather spend the money. Going skiing, I love. That will make me ha happy for, for the five months leading up to it, mm. the week I'm there, and then afterwards talking about the memories. That, that, will, that once or twice a year, and I'm, I'm pretty much sorted. Um, so, but I know also what doesn't make me happy. I don't like driving in central London because I don't like the aggression of that. So if I've got a shoot in central London where I've got too much gear to take on the train, I will drive my car as far into central London until I start to get stressed out by it. I'll go and park somewhere and I'll get an Uber for the last half hour because 
I know the ten pound or whatever it will cost is worth it for my happiness, sort of thing. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, I get an Uber back to my car and drive home, sort of thing. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm, I've got better with age and experience of knowing what what makes me happy, what makes me unhappy, and trying to maximize those things. Mm-hmm. Are you quite people orientated? Because obviously, YouTube uh, is a platform that sort of it benefits from the collaboration with other people. And I've heard you talk about some of your stories, like the, the legendary FIFA tournaments with your friends, which I imagine when you strip that back, it's not about playing FIFA. Um, it's re- I imagine it's probably more so about connecting with no. your friends. Yeah, there are people who every year who will ask what button is shoot. Like, there's, like, mm. there's people who will trade up for it. And my friend Al, um, who's the goat of FIFA tournament, he, um, he will like, treat it as a full-time job training for it because he wants to win it. Um, there is there's a trophy for the most horrific foul. So some people will just try and get that trophy <laughs> sort of thing. There's there's something for everyone, but it's about the day. It's about the build up. We have a closed Facebook group where it's just videos of us abusing each other. And I was doing this before. I did YouTube more. I put more effort into it. So I'd spend, I'd go and film all the 16 people in it and just get them to slag each other off and then sit on this and then release a video every day or a couple of videos every day <laughs> building up. It wouldn't take me long to edit. Um, of people just hammering the other people in, in sort of nice, um, nice, pleasant ways. Um, uh, so, so yeah, but uh, yeah, pe- people want to. Yes, yeah, I, I, I think I'm quite good at talking to people. Mm. I think I've become quite good again with practice, uh, and I think I'm generally fairly likable. Yeah, <laughs> people don't tend to hate me. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think it's. I think yeah, I've got that sort of self awareness of, of, you know, emotional intelligence. Probably, I think is is sort of what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do would you like to go into YouTube full time eventually? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I've been thinking about this more recently because my my aim was going into it was because I do a lot of my work is going on with a camera and going and filming some something and. Um, and it's fine now, but I'm 43 now. Yeah. And I'm thinking, am I, when I'm 53, am I going to want to be getting on a train to film Cal Freezy playing FIFA with someone? I don't know. Maybe. I, don't, I, might, yeah. I might be. I'm not sure. But and I'm also aware that I like skiing. If I went skiing and broke both my arms, I can't film. I can't edit. That's a lot of my income gone. So I've been trying to sort of diversify things. So, um, but my plan was five to 10 years. I thought in five, 10 years, I'd like to make a, a significant, not necessarily a lot of my income from other stuff, like stuff that's more sort of personality-based, like podcasts or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's gone a lot quicker than I thought. I'm not, I'm not, by no means could live off it, but I make a decent portion of my income from podcasts and, and a little bit from YouTube. Um, so I, th- I, I can see in time that if I keep going – That'll build up. And this year, I've started taking it a bit more seriously. So I've started things like tracking metrics on like social channels and sort of that. So the first of each month of so today, I'll go through and go, I've got this many people on Twitter, this many on Instagram. Not because it makes me like I'm the big man, I've got this, but because it, it helps to go to a brand and say, I've got 110,000 people on these platforms, sort of thing. It's for business, sort of thing, rather than any. Um, ego thing um but so i've been trying to take it a bit more seriously in that regard to to 
take to that next level. And and yeah, so I think collaboration and stuff like that, I'm going to try and do. And I would like to get onto it eventually, but I'm not in a huge rush. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, now that you're quickly becoming one of the UK's most famous bin enthusiasts, do you yeah. ever do you ever find yourself uh, having a bit of like a oh, what's the word? Thinking like thinking like a celebrity. Are you ever like out out and about and you, you think, oh, they've recognised me? Pennies dropped. They they recognise no. Robbie Knox. Well, when I was at it was when I was at Soccer AM, it was like I wasn't like Madonna. I could get to the mm. shops and stuff, but <laughs> because of the age I was and the places I went, and because I was on a show that was very popular for men of my age in mm. particular, um, if I went out for a night out to a pub someone would recognize you or come and talk to you or something like that and yeah um and it was weird and it wasn't it's got a weird thing fame in the loosest in the loosest possible sense in that it wasn't necessarily a bad thing or it wasn't a good thing it didn't really change anything it was it was people were generally nice you'd have nice conversations with people and all this and it was funny things would happen because of it but equally it's a weird feeling walking in somewhere to a bar and having a conversation with someone, but you can also see out the corner of your eye someone nudging their mate or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think we were always, I was always very grounded at Soccer AM, uh, and most of the guys were. Um, but you can see, you can totally see how young people get out of control by by buying into it. Just sort of, was very aware, none of these people don't actually know me. They just have seen me because my job happens to involve being on the screen sort of thing mm -hmm. um but this time round um just say not as well known as i was then um but i don't really go places where i'm gonna be noticed as much you know what i mean like a lot of the viewers are probably about a lot of viewers are like 18 or something like that yeah. i don't generally i'm not hanging around <laughs> outside that's of school summer summer yeah well you say yeah yeah but um so no, I mean occasionally, like people do come up to me and say hi and have a chat. It's it's very nice, um, but I don't. I'm not out that much. I'm sat at home. Well, everyone is now, so <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah. Okay. So as we as we begin to sort of round this up, I have a few sort of mental health questions to ask you, if you right. don't mind. Um, what no, are the no, main no. things that cause you stress or anxiety or just general down feelings? What what gets to you? Um. It's a very good question. It's definitely lots of things. I mean, anything that's out of your control a bit, to, that's, that's not fully out of your control. I think I'm quite good. If something's completely out of my control, I won't worry about it. Like, like um, what happens with lockdown? I'm not worried about it at all because there's nothing I, can, I can't do anything about it. It doesn't yeah. matter. But I think it's the bits where you've not, where you know you could do something to sort it out, but they're not. I've not, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. But I find there's things I do to manage it. If I'm, I'm feeling stressed, I will, following on from writing things down at Soccer AM, I will, I've got a uh, notepad and I will just write, first thing I get up in the morning, I'll just write three pages of A4 paper normally, just listing whatever is in my head and getting it down there. Because quite often when you write down these things, go, oh God, I've got this to do. And I go, you write it down and go, yeah, I've got to do this, this, this today. And you look at it and then you still go, I could sort this out in 15 minutes i could phone this guy i've been putting off for a bit get it sorted and then the worst thing that can happen is this happens or 
maybe this will happen sort of thing. And you can sort it out. And then, you know, as I find writing things down, help help a lot. I don't know. I think when you get older, you become the little things worry you less because there's so much more stuff that's gone wrong in your life. Yeah. Like one of my, one of my best friends fell off a cliff and died when he was like in 2005 oh, would have been. So once that's happened, you're less bothered about, oh, God, I'll say something a bit embarrassing to a girl the other night. Oh, it doesn't matter because my wife fell off a cliff. So, do you know what I mean? So it's sort of more bad things happen. And then you have kids and then you're, you're so worried about something that happened to them. Mm-hmm. The other bits, less and less things uh, matter. Like I, remember, I remember being at uni and I remember saying something. I remember being drunk in the bar and I had a conversation with a girl and I remember being so embarrassed the next day. But now... I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what she looks like. I can't remember her name. I remember the person whose friend it was, but I haven't seen him for 20 years. Like it was, it's so completely irrelevant, but at the time it was obviously such a big thing. So I think when you get a bit of distance, um, yeah, then it it sort of gets in perspective. Yeah. Broader perspective. Absolutely. Do you have a, a biggest fear in life? I mean, like something, I guess now it would be something like a kid dying or one of my kids mm. dying or something like that or, or something horrendous along those lines. Um, yeah, I don't, not, not much beyond that though. I mean, I've got, I was thinking about this earlier today actually because my, my six-year-old son came in in the night to me yesterday, last night because he had a, he'd had a bad dream and then, um, I said, okay, okay John, you're all right. John, talk about it. He said, oh, um, so that's okay. So, okay, back to bed then. He came back a minute later and said, I started asking questions about fires. Like, if there's a fire, how will we get out? And so, obviously, he had a bad dream about a fire. Mm. And so then he talked, I just sat up at like two in the morning with him for about 20 minutes, just talking about, well, no, we've got these smoke alarms and they're so quick. So, well, what if you couldn't get out there? Well, we get out the window, we do this, this. And don't worry, because before the fire started, it was just smoke. That's when the alarms would go off and we get everyone out. Um, and then, and all this, all these questions answered, all these things like that. But like now, I ne- I'd never worry about fires. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I've, I've, I'm aware that that when that when you're younger, it's you worry about more stuff. And then now, you sort of say, oh, whatever. Yeah. I can't remember what the question was. <laughs> I'm just talking about fire. <laughs> yeah, just your biggest fear, if if you have one. It sounds like you don't really. Yeah. So I think I don't think I've got. Yeah, I don't have many fears apart from obviously something happening yeah. to your kids or someone you love, like like everyone, I guess. Fair enough. Uh, and finally, I always like to end with uh, the same question, a bit of positivity, a bit of positive reflection on yourself. What about yourself are you most proud of? Uh, I... Quite a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm proud of, of, of the way I'm raising my kids. Um... I'm proud of, of of doing good for people. These messages that people send me on, on YouTube and that I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that, and I'm proud that I think that I've made that I know how to make myself happy now. From bringing back some mental health, I I've done the work to get to a place where generally I'm pretty happy, mm-hmm. where I wasn't always, and I think and I'm. I'm proud of that. And it's things like um, I'd have no qualms about going to therapy or anything like that sort of thing, all, the, all these sort of sort of things, all those sort of things that when, when, I, when I was younger, there was sort of stigmas around and all this yeah. thing like that. I've, I've done enough stuff to go, God, no, 
bring it all on, bring it all on, and working at sort of mental health so that 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 I'm proud of. I've I've done that work. Great stuff. Well, Robbie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I've loved um, it. A lot of when, fun. This where what can great our, podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. Where can our listeners find you? What's your social? Okay, if you want to watch a video form of me, you can go to my YouTube channel. You can search Robbie Knox in YouTube, uh, and I'm on there. If you like um, football, as you quite possibly do here, I'm. I do a, f- a football podcast called Football Legends that's exclusively on Spotify, uh, where we um, read bits from footballers' autobiographies and talk about them, and we have uh, footballer guests on. Um, I also do a podcast called Jack Mate's Happy Half Hour with um, Jack Mate that's quite popular, and I do a po- podcast during lockdown called Cooped Up. Uh, so any of those things, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, just search Robbie Knox and you'll find me. Great stuff. Thank you again, Robbie, and thank you for listening to the Football and Feelings podcast. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.